Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We are all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. I'm absolutely buzzing to be joined today by Natasha Rose. She heads up the Rose Group who are based in Peterborough. They've got a range of companies including Andrews Building Supplies, which is a builder's merchant, as well as Rose Aggregates and Rose Landscapes. They've got quite a portfolio of businesses and Natasha heads it up as the fifth generation business owner and she's absolutely incredible. The insights she shares in today's podcast are fantastic. So I hope you enjoy it. Catch you soon. The red light's rolling. Uh, Natasha, lovely to have you join me today on the Half Dozen Things podcast. I've been pestering your PA for a little while to try and get you on the show because I know you'll be an absolutely amazing guest. So Natasha Rose, if you're able to just sort of tell the guests a bit about yourself, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I'm Natasha Rose. I'm a fifth generation family business owner. Um, We own a company called Rose Group, which encompasses Andrews Building Supplies, which has two branches, soon to be three. Rose Landscapes, which is uh, in Peterborough, and Rose Aggregates, which is also in Peterborough. Amazing. That's absolutely awesome. Fifth generation as well. Fifth generation, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm sure there's something about the fifth generation, the ones that ruin it all. I'm sure in the old adage. So I'm, I'm hoping to prove that wrong, obviously. <laughs> You've been in the driving seat for a little while as well, though, to be fair, haven't you? Particularly with, with Andrews, I think, for longer than Rose. Is that right? Or... Yeah, yeah. About, um, I suppose, seven years since I've been a director and then managing director. And I've been within the business now for coming on 17 years. So, yeah, I was made to start at the bottom on the counter. Really? I love yeah, that. that's probably where they should have kept me, to be fair. But <laughs> I was too much of a nuisance. <laughs> love that. So they've just pulled you up and pulled you up all, yeah, all, all yeah. the way through. Just pushed me through all the departments until I, you know, annoyed everyone enough to push me on to the next one. That's it. <laughs> that's the secret to success is it right okay brilliant let's end the podcast there done (laughs) (laughs) just be a nuisance I love that so um tell me tell me a bit about sort of what what that's like for you then so what did you always when you and I know this is sort of like probably a bit of sage question but as you as you were growing up was it what you wanted to do to be involved in the family business is that what you wanted as I was growing up um I used to spend my summer holidays split between being in the office with my stepmom and being out in the Land Rover Discovery with my dad going around the site. And all I remember thinking is, I don't want to sit in an office on a computer. I want to do what my dad does, which I perceived as being riding around in a Land Rover, bossing men around. And I thought that looked like the best job ever. I mean, it turns out it was more involved than that. But as a seven-year-old, that's pretty much all you see. He used to get out of the car, shout loudly at people. They seemed to move quicker and then he'd get back in. And I thought, that is awesome. That's the job for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I always wanted to be, I suppose I always wanted to be my dad. I always wanted to follow in his, his footsteps. And I didn't think I would be uh, because I have an older brother. But weirdly, you know, my older brother is the one that's happy to sit in the office and, and do the admin and be on the computer. And he's he's happy to let me get out there. So it works really well. Got yeah. So do you get to drive around in a Land Rover and shout at people <laughs> to make them go faster? That's the key um, question. Well, it turns out that my driving isn't that great. So I have a, a big old Volvo because that keeps me safer. But nearly, nearly a Land Rover. But it's yeah, I've gone for a oh. Volvo because that's super safe. I must say, I must say, which Volvo have you got? It's the like the big four by four one. XC90. That's, there we go. Yeah, that's I'm not very good on names, but that's the one. That's what I want. I want an XC90. Well, apparently, no one 
internationally has yet died in one. And I thought, well, that's good enough for me because yeah. if you've seen me drive, you know that's the car for me. There we go then. Drive it like you stole it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Such a good insight straight into the podcast. <laughs> Real insights. Amazing. So, Natasha, your half dozen things for, for listeners uh, are really awesome. And I'm looking forward to hear you explain those in more depth. So the first one's people. And actually, for the listeners, Natasha did ask if she could say people, 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 which is, <laughs> I think is a fantastic ethos and probably a little against shouting at people to make them go faster. So, <laughs> um, but the second area is adaptability. The third is service levels. Fourth is USP and unique selling proposition. Uh, fifth is around team spirit and the sixth is around self-care. So I think they're absolutely incredible half dozen things. So let's just kick it off then with people uh why are people so important to your business natasha people are the business essentially and i think um in construction and merchanting we're perhaps you know one of the outliers in that we're the one or true people industry that's left you know it is absolutely true still in our business that people buy from people and that relationships are built for us with our suppliers and with our customers those relationships are real, they're tangible, they're not yet digitalized in the same way they perhaps have turned to be in other industries. They are all formed, you know, either on a golf course or in a bar or even over a trade counter. And so if you don't have the right people in your business that are able to form really strong and lasting relationships, both with suppliers and with customers, you know, you're, you're dead in the water. And that's why attracting those people into your organization, giving them the skills that they need and the confidence that they need, it's its everything. It's everything. Love that, yeah. So do you tend to bring people in and then develop them through the business? Is that is that sort of the strategy you try to use? 100%, Natasha? yeah. I'm never looking for somebody who's coming after a specific job. Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for someone to walk in through the door and the first thing is I just need to like them. You know, they need to just be good people nice people and they walk in and they say oh you know I've, I've come to interview for a job but I'm not sure what job it is and I say well yeah that's because that's not how I work you know there's not I decide whether I like you and then I decide whether I want you to come and work for me and then very often that person will do like a crazy round robin and they might work in two or three different departments until they find what feels the best fit for them and I feel that that's where they excel the most you know, someone will come and work for us on the counter and end up being in purchasing or someone will work in the yard and get a real inkling that they want to uh, drive HGVs and we'll give them their HGV training and get them through that. Or somebody might come and be branch manager like we had happen recently. And we discovered that actually that wasn't the right fit for him because he had a great knowledge of the suppliers and on what the customer wanted but he didn't overly enjoy the man management aspect, but his IT skills were off the chart. So he's now our IT and systems manager, which is you know a totally separate job to what he came in to do. But if you know that that person ought to be on the bus, then it's your job as MD to find them the right seat. And that's all, all I do. I'm never gonna make someone get off the bus just because they've done particularly badly in the first, second or third job that they've tried. Because if I think if they're right for us, there's just, it's our failing. We haven't found the right fit for them yet. So yeah, I, I, I never set people off the bus that I like. That's why when other people, you know, make candidates redundant, um, redundant and they come and join us and they're great people, I just think, wow, what, what an oversight, what a loss from that other company that they didn't just think, okay, where else can we put this person? that they just went for the easy route and let them go. And you know, I mean, that's our gain a lot of the time. And it has been recently with companies uh, making uh, people redundant. We've, we've found some really good people that way. Absolutely love that. I can't, I can't believe when listeners, when we, when Natasha and I, just before we went live on, on recording this, we were talking about her listening to previous podcast episodes and I can't believe you haven't listened to one. This is fascinating. So have you ever heard of Neville Wright who, built kiddie care yeah. and sold it yeah of course absolutely so, yeah so he he had this thing which is called a job i've forgotten the woman's name but let's say margaret so he calls it a job for margaret 
So if Margaret's a good person, he would find the right job for her. <laughs> I love it. Incredible. I love yeah. it. And he, he called it a job for Margaret. So, and essentially a woman came in to join and she was like initially working like in the, in the shop. And then she went and worked on the counter and he'd be like, if you like photography and your hobby is photography, then go and work in the baby photography section. And, but she ended up this, this, this lady, she ended up running a team of like 30 in a warehouse and like however many million pounds worth of stock was like her thing. And she just came in and it was just a a thing of you're the right person for the business, but finding the right slot for them. Same ethos. Love that. Absolutely. But, but it's true. And the, the worst thing you can do is, is let go of someone that's good just because mm. you haven't found the right fit. Yeah, I love that. And, and it's almost like you've, take, you've taken responsibility that as the business owner or, or the person sort of it responsible for the organisation that you've almost taken responsibility to help find that person the right, the right role for them. Have you Definitely. had a situation where you've almost like created a role? Yeah, completely. So um, again, with the chap that we were talking about earlier, who was the branch manager, um, it had got to the stage where we, I mean, we didn't have this crazy thing is we didn't have an IT systems manager, which is mental to me to think that now. And I literally said to him, look, this might not work, but I actually think we could benefit from someone being in charge of our IT. You know, it was one of those things that two weeks later, we could have realized that there was no such job. In fact, two weeks later, he had already moved forward what was an incredibly outdated computer system leaps and bounds and then he's now added modules I mean you know he's he's a tax write-off in terms of research and development because he's actually completely changed and brought forward our systems and he's now developing our e-commerce site so it it's to the stage now where we need to take on somebody else to work alongside him or you know underneath him and that's that's crazy from the point of view of when we gave him that job we didn't even know if the job existed I just had an ink thing that he was better than getting someone in that just knew IT because he was a very special person that understood the merchant industry, but also was savvy enough on the IT system. And that's that's quite an unusual thing to find because normally, you know, if you hire someone who's strong in IT, they don't necessarily understand the fact that, I know, Timber, for example, which is bought in per cube and then sold per length, not even per meter or per meter square, but per length. So, and he understands that because he's both been involved in buying and selling. So he just had such a special set of skills. And likewise, um, you know, when Steph came in, she came in as very much general admin and she was doing little bits and accounts to help them out, little bits to help out the salesmen. And then it was so clear that she had this real flair for social media. You know, and although we now call her my PA, I fear that I've pretty much lost her to marketing because um, she now crazy stuff like stuff we never had before like a staff newsletter she runs that and she prints it every single Friday it's in everybody's inbox and um, it's a way to make everybody feel as we grow and we spread out geographically all part of one team and if a new member of staff starts then they get their picture and they get a little interview in in there and so she's developed this role for herself as kind of the communications person between all members of staff and between us and the customers by by taking on the social media um as well as as well as like designing adverts and print runs and ordering the the business cards so she's created a role that that suits her and suits her personality you know I think it's fair to say and she'd probably admit it that when she first came and was doing a bit of accounts admin you know I think she was slowly dying because some people love that checks and balances stuff you know they get a real sick satisfaction from it and other people it's just like sticking yeah, pins in their eyes, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, I love I love that so much as well because you, the, the 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 thought of being able to come in and 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 sort of be one thing and and maybe it doesn't quite fit with you as well because people do end up in jobs generally that they don't enjoy, don't they? You know, and then Absolutely. and then to have the opportunity to find something where they can show flair as well. But ultimately, you're getting the absolute best return on investment out of that yeah. person as well. Yeah, fantastic. And there was it? a guy. He worked on our counter and um, and the guy that, that was supposed to be going to me to a supplier conference, a trade show, dropped out. And so I said to this chap, do you, do you want to come with me? Just because I thought it was a five hour train journey and he seemed like he could have a good chat with me for five hours. That was the only reason I sort of asked him along. And then um, we had a good old chat for five hours. And then we got there and I was blown away by the way he interacted with suppliers, like a really easy, laid back, confident, charm, 
They seemed to really uh, gel with him. He, he had more confidence than I did walking around the exhibition hall. You know, I find that situation a little bit intimidating sometimes because yeah. they're all stood there on their stands ready. And you're the one sort of walking around like daring whether to make eye contact or not, or not wanting to be sucked into an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> Whereas he was just, he was so laid back and easy with it all and so confident. And I said to him, do you actually want to start doing the purchasing for the whole group? Because you're clearly got the ability to develop relationships with suppliers, you know, in a heartbeat. And now he does, instead of working on the counter and selling, you know, he buys for the whole group. So it's and all because he looked like he'd be good to chat to on a train journey. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And <laughs> do you know what? That really, it leads us really well onto the second area, which is adaptability, because essentially it just shows, it just shows how adaptable you are as a business anyway, to accommodate people like that. But what, why is adaptability so important for you, Natasha? Well, for us, we have um, five core values as a company. And one of those is change. And I think um, it's a little bit of something that I've really got my teeth into and I won't let go of because I found when I joined the business, it was a thing that we were least good at. So we, and maybe this happens with each generational shift in family businesses. And I think it is quite unique to family businesses, but you have, you know, the patriarch or the matriarch who are in charge at the time and everything is done their way. And everyone who joins knows that you have to do it that way. And then that person you know, leaves to play golf or sit on a beach or whatever else uh, the previous generation do. <laughs> and, and I came into it, but I took on all of my dad's staff. So all people that had been trained to do things in a certain way and believe that that was the right way and that was the only way. And it's so difficult when you then come in as the next generation and you can immediately see stuff that's, that's wrong, but then trying to get that change through it's, it's really, really difficult. And it was one of my biggest challenges. I honestly felt like I'd gone into an episode of Ashes to Ashes when I first came back. I thought that maybe as you travel up the A1 from London, there is some sort of strange time warp. And, you know, Peterborough is, it was 30 years behind. But it, and it, it was just because of the fact that when you are a family business and you're quite insular in that way, you just stick the same. But the trouble is, if you stay the same, you die. You, you have to keep changing. And it was something that I wasn't willing to drop. And I got a lot of resistance early doors for it. And that's why I guess I made it one of the core values that people are all measured on, their ability to adapt and change. You know, there wasn't a single computer in the business when I joined. That was 2003. It was not 1977. It was 2003. And nobody had a computer on their desk. I couldn't believe the amount of triple carbonate that was laying around the office. I mean, what, what, just, yeah. So this is what I mean about I was annoying. I, I was annoying because I was like, everybody has to have a computer. That's just the way of the future. And, you know, I had members of staff say to me, if you put a computer on my desk, I'll leave. That's how strongly they felt about it. And now those same members of staff who are still with me and who have changed and adapted they say, when I say, well, can you come out of the system for an hour? I've got to run an update. What? I can't come out of the system for an hour. And I said, well, 15 years ago, you told me that if I put a computer on your desk, you'd leave. But now you can't come out of the system for an hour. So, um, you know, we get there. And what I like about us as an independent and as a family run business is if we make the decision to change, to get in a new stock line, to go in a new direction, we can do it overnight. You know, we're not a national, we're not some big clunking corporate that it has to go to the regional director and then the and then up and up and up the chain until somebody at the very top six months later says no and then it comes back down the chain. You know, we can decide on a Thursday night that we want to totally out a whole range of stock and by, you know, the Monday it's gone and the Tuesday a different stock lines in. And I think that's why in this COVID crisis particularly, if you notice independence have vastly outsold nationals because we were very quick to um, close when we thought the danger was very real. We were equally as quick to put in all COVID secure measures and then reopen. Many of us reopening only one or two or maximum three weeks later. And then we were very, very quick to adapt our ways of um, dealing with our customers so that we could still operate, you know, all through that lockdown in a COVID secure way. 
And a lot of the nationals, to this day, their yards are closed, you know, and their shops are closed. And you think, my God, can, I know it's a different way of working. I know click and collect or phone and collect as, as we've been doing is different, but you've got to be able to, and this year shows you more than any year, you've got to be able to adapt and change because if you don't, you're going to get left a long, long way behind. Love that. Do you know what? There's so much for me to pick up on, on what you've just said. And uh, I've just not got enough time. I wish we had double the time. <laughs> so there's a couple of things. One is the bravery. So there's a couple of things, the COVID stuff and the agility that you've shown, obviously in, in moving forward is one, one questioning line. Uh, but one of the other ones that I picked up was like that bravery of like putting your foot down and like, do you know what? I'll negotiate on stuff, but I'm not negotiating on change. That's got to yeah. happen. And having that yeah. bravery that, that must have been a real like shit or bust situation almost like I'm not going to, you know, leave then, leave. I'm putting a computer on your desk. For me, the reason I knew I was in the right was um, was because when I first walked in, the very first thing I saw when I went into the kitchen was a rotor on the wall of women's names against each day of the week. And one of the women on there was a the finance manager, one was a, a purchase clerk, one was on the trade counter and one was in transport. So they, there was nothing in common other than the fact they were women. And I said, what, what's this? And they went, oh, that's the washing up rotor. And I thought, yeah, I'm pretty sure that some change needs to happen. And I am angry enough to put my foot down about it. And uh, that, that was the first thing that was changed. Wow. And once I changed that, that upset everyone so much that then I thought, well, I might as well just carry on. The computers were easy after that. Trust me. <laughs> oh, You've got wow. to have the confidence in your own beliefs, haven't you? If you, you believe in yourself and you believe in what you're saying, my always I want to take people with me always mm. that's always the aim explain to people why you think something needs changing give your reasons get them on board get them to come with you of course that's what I want to do but there are certain things that I just know I'm right on a washing up roadster for women and computers they were two non-negotiables <laughs> for me they were two things that I knew had to change wow, if only I could have been a fly on the wall in 2003 <laughs> I think that would have been hilarious <laughs> amazing um and so just quickly on the on the agility side of it and and sort of how quickly you've implemented change to adapt to the to the needs of the business now to be able to trade um how, how has that been and 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 how is sort of the near future looking for you at the moment because it must be um it must be a bit tricky um yeah it was it was really tricky i mean the first thing was the fact that again going back to people People were scared and I could see they were scared and there was no way of enforcing safe distancing in the yard because the more people panicked about lockdown, the more people were in your face, literally. So, you know, we didn't ever have to close hardware stores as we were classed by the government who don't understand merchanting said that we could stay open, but my staff were scared. So we had to close. We had to close and get those, you know, sheets for the counter um, to get the distancing in, in the yard to get this phone and collect system rolling. But once we were comfortable with that, we brought back people that felt comfortable to come back. Again, there was no, you must come back to work. We phoned everyone and said, do you feel comfortable coming back? You know, a lot of the younger ones, the ones that lived alone, were desperate to come back, their own mental health more than anything. So they're the ones that we got back um, first and very, very quickly adapted to, you can only answer, <laughs> one phone call at a time. So don't stress if it's ringing and ringing and ring, which it was, and just get it straight onto the system, get that straight out to the yard. They would then gather the materials together. We had superb yardmen, which helped. And then they would literally put those materials in, into bays. But it was so difficult to keep up with the demand that every day we were having conversations about how do we make this easier? How do we make this easier? How do we keep it safe, but make it easier for the customers and for our staff? So we constantly changed. Eventually, we realized that actually it was better to open the yard and open um, uh, a gate that is normally always closed in the yard. And we had like a through traffic system. So you drive in, get loaded up and drive out the back. So it was just every day thinking, OK, and now's the time maybe that we bring another member of staff back. And, and now's the time where we let people actually come into the shop because we've got the stickers on the floor to mean that, that people are at safe distances and um, it just, it was a very, every single day, something about our working practice changed. 
And that's only because we are able to just talk amongst ourselves as directors, confer with the staff and get those changes in place. We are not always waiting for some dictate from on high. Definitely. And that means that we just kept evolving through the whole period. And we're almost now, we're as back to normal as you can be whilst not going anywhere near each other. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's fantastic. No, it's, it's incredible that you've been able to implement that so rapidly. And, you know, I, I, I've worked for big corporate and um, a company name that you've mentioned already based on the vehicles. And I know what you mean by something going up the tree and then working its way back down. I, find, I used to find that so frustrating, particularly when you know that, particularly when you lead your own small business entity and you're like, I can do this now. Let's just make this happen. And I used to find like I was shackled all the time and I found that very frustrating. So it must be liberating for people particularly if they join you from maybe one of those larger companies um, to be able to have that implementable difference where they go, do you know what? There's a better way we can do that. And you can go, do you know what? That's a great idea. Let's go with it and let's make that happen. I mean, that's a two way street because you can tell us to, that you've got a really good idea and we'll let you run with it, but then you're also accountable for it as well. So it's kind of exciting for members of staff, but then there's also members of staff that come from nationals that are like, is this going to be on my head if it all goes wrong? Well, yeah, yeah. pretty much, because it was your idea, but it won't go wrong. Go with it. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, exactly. So next next up, third area is service levels. And yeah. I suppose we've touched on that already, really. Um, yeah, we have. And, and it, I, it, I kind of always touch on it because fundamentally it's the most important thing about what we do. You know, a, a piece of timber is a piece of timber and a brick's a brick. That that doesn't particularly make it special. It, all all builders merchants will stock a pretty similar stock range Mm -hmm. what we've always prided ourselves on and what i believe i believe we do better than anybody else is is service you know and that's because we have a very unique way that our transport is run like again i believe that we're the first paperless uh transport system you know we don't if you go in a lot of merchants you'll see a monday through to friday board (laughs) in the transport office with little bits of paper yeah, yeah. Uh, T-card system, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Up there. And we've, um, because of this chap that, that runs our IT, he's kind of dragged us into the, the next century. And we have a very sophisticated transport system, which means that we can absolutely make the most of all of those trucks. And we have, you know, seven, eight trucks running all the time to provide a same day or next day delivery uh, that's free within the area. So that's a pretty good standard of, of service um, and just to the point where if we miss something off your delivery if we do something that's wrong that a member of staff will go out in their car or one of the director's cars normally if it's something mucky I, I've noticed they like to take the director's cars especially if it's like cement or plaster where then come back in your boots just absolutely covered yeah that's a real win-win um, so yeah and that that level of service comes from having an excellent operations director but it also comes from uh having enough people available to answer phones as particularly now when some people are reluctant to, to actually come out and face the orders in, per- in person um and it also comes from having very very knowledgeable staff so that change has happened but i've managed to make it happen whilst retaining staff so some of those staff have got 30 years under their belt so there's never a problem that they haven't encountered that the homeowner's sharing or doesn't know what to do about there's not a brick match that they can't make because they haven't seen it over their Mm. career or you know a solution that they can't recommend so when I say customer service I guess I don't just mean the actual delivery of goods I mean that advice over the phone and literal hand-holding through projects so if a self-build comes in with a set of plans we don't just take them off for free which we do but we don't just do that you know Nigel for example he would then phone that customer and say you know, it's going to take three weeks for your roof trusses to come. So you might want to get them on order now. You know, he literally is like a project manager, but a free of charge project manager that helps people through. But that's a real important difference in the service that, that we offer. That, I mean, sometimes builders will drive in, definitely hoping that I don't mention any names and this isn't obvious, but in their Ferraris. And um, they don't actually know that much about building a house. It pretty much feels like with, built every house for them that they've ever (laughs) because we planned the material schedule and when it needed to be delivered to site and literally held their hand through it and then we all look at each other and think well we don't have Ferraris what where 
where are we going wrong? We should be doing the building ourselves. But um, that's, I really pride ourselves on that, that, that we get people through their builds and that we're incredibly responsive. But again, that, I mean, it comes back to people and it leads on to the next point of, you know, our unique selling point. So exactly, right. So b- before we move on to USP then, I just, I've got a brainwave for a business idea. I'm going to create okay. building projects and use you guys and drive a Ferrari. I think, yeah, <laughs> I, think honestly, I like that plan. <laughs> genius. All you need to do is find a bit of land and not have a clue what you're doing and then we'll do the rest. Yeah, that'll be fine. It's amazing. <laughs> just just get some local builders in. You guys will sort me the materials. We'll you know, know the, what the, the, the builder that owns a Ferrari is so going to know that I'm talking about him. That's <laughs> terrible, isn't it? <laughs> There's loads of Ferrari driving builders. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, thank God. I've only ever seen one. I can name, I can name five. I can name okay, five, five easily. <laughs> so six once I start. Anyway. <laughs> so next up is USP. Talk to me about your unique selling proposition, which which sound you know it sounds like we've been talking about it with you with your service, but what what, yeah, what do you aim I for think, really differentiating? I think that um, it's not one thing. I think what we always aim to do is just have a point of difference. We look at what other people are doing and we think, well, that's either great and we'll copy it, or we'll copy it but put a twist on it because there are no new ideas necessarily out there everybody in some industry is doing something so often what we'll do is we'll look outside of our industry to another industry and think because merchanting dare I say it can be a little bit backwards sometimes you know it's not I don't think construction could ever be accused of being leading edge on anything Um, and it really is to our detriment a lot of the time and you know the other aspect of my business in haulage I mean it's and skips you know it's it's all still about the triple carbonate. I mean, the triple carbonate is everywhere. It's like you can't get away from the stuff. You know, we're not we're not cutting edge. And so I think often I look outside of our industry to other industries and think, okay, well, what are they doing really well? What can I steal from them into our business? It's like if you go into any trade counter, you will find that like long, <laughs> long counter with sort of three reasonably grumpy men standing behind it normally and it's all builders that are up there so if you walk in like me as a woman who doesn't know what she's talking about even though I've now run a merchant for 17 years but if you walk in you can feel very very intimidated because there's builders both sides of you you perhaps don't know the correct term for the thing that you're wanting to buy you know there's three grumpy guys looking at you it's it's not a welcoming experience and so I thought the very first time I walked into Andrews my first day of work I genuinely wanted to walk back out it's like a wall of testosterone in that counter it's just horrible and so I thought we need to not be like a builder's merchant even though we are a builder's merchant we need to be more like a normal shop a shop that seems to want customers to come in and welcome them so we you know took a lump hammer to that counter and knocked it down. And we did three individual, and I called them customer service points. You know, get away even with that name, the trade counter. And then I did something totally revolutionary and actually put a woman on one of them, which I know is shocking, but yes, we are finding (laughs) our way into the industry. So it meant that as a retail or a DIY customer, when you walk in that shop, you can choose one of the three to go to. Normally the person who's smiling the most is the person I'd want to go to or the person that you feel most comfortable with. And when you stand there and have that conversation and you're out of your comfort zone and you don't know quite what you're ordering, you know, the big scary builder, he's on one of the other two points. So he's not within earshot, can't hear what you're saying. There's no embarrassment level. And ever since we did that on our trade counter, our mix between trade customers and retail customers or DIY customers has really swung in a favorable direction because you've taken away that intimidation you know and I think that's that's really important that we act more like we're a normal retail shop and less like we're you know a, um, a merchant if we want to be accessible to everybody definitely I love that increased accessibility but also I, I suppose the other benefit fringe benefit that you've got is that the builder gets to build more of a personal relationship with the countless staff as well anyway because they speak to them individually no one's overhearing you know Mm. and and if they want to say negotiate a special price they can do that without their competition the other builder hearing what their new special price is they've just renegotiated so 
it works. You know, and I took that a step further, that when I saw um, people with either wheelchairs or buggies walking around the yard and articulated lorries <laughs> going by them and, and fork trucks, I thought this isn't an appropriate environment, really, for some of these retail customers that we're now welcoming in. And that's really where Rose Landscapes came from, because if you want to see a slab, you want to physically see it. This is one of the areas where we're still a little bit insulated from the, the rise of the internet, is that very often people actually want to see that slab because a glossy image can look very, very different to the end result. Yeah. And if you're spending five, six thousand pounds on a patio, you want to know what you're getting. And Rose Landscapes was this very unique proposition of a huge indoor landscaping showroom where it's totally accessible, you know, no matter whether you've got a buggy and a wheelchair, um, a bit nervous of walking around a yard, you can come in and see 30 to 40 different garden designs totally laid out as they would be in your own back garden. You know, not some little four by four sample and then you have to sort of imagine what it would look like, but an actual whole patio space laid out. And um, I think, again, it just keep thinking of things that, that, other merchants do and the other merchants will have small display areas but just taking it to the next level and making it accessible to everybody definitely and i'll just advocate for that as well anyone who's local to peterborough even not so local rose landscapes is an amazing place um and they've got a lovely little coffee shop on the side called rosie lee as well which i absolutely <laughs> love um and we've met there for a coffee haven't we and um, yeah we have indeed what what an awesome place um you know it, it's really really awesome and uh you know, if you want to have that experience of not having to go to a trade counter, for example, then it's it's such a relaxed atmosphere there, isn't it? And you can just yeah. go walk around and see and feel stuff and, and see what it's really going to look like. It's Very incredible. Much so. As well as having great coffee and a yeah. cake or whatever. <laughs> and it really is good coffee. It is. I'm not saying that. It's really good. <laughs> Genuinely good coffee. Genuinely good coffee. I, I can't I can't rate it highly enough. Uh, and, and in fact, I've got two people who I meet exclusively at Rosie Lee really yeah yeah genuinely exclusively pleased to hear it <laughs> yeah exactly right so um the fifth area is around team spirit so tell me a bit more about team spirit for you natasha you know and again i guess guess coming back to our core values you know we spoke a bit about change earlier but um camaraderie is one there's five they all begin with c to make it nice and easy but uh there's change camaraderie and communication i guess team spirit kind of sums up camaraderie and communication really uh, nobody is an island as I often tell people uh, and you can have brilliant ideas and be doing things brilliantly but if you don't actually share them with other members of, of the team then they kind of fizzle and die so we try to and we probably maybe we're a bit guilty of having too many get-togethers and too many meetings if that's if that's possible but I'm a talker as you probably notice and I <laughs> encourage all, all my staff to talk lots to me to each other um and i we have purchasing meetings every month sales meetings every month we have a meeting with our it staff and our admin staff and it's all about making sure that there's no skeletons in the in the closet nothing that a member of staff thinks is thinks is their burden to carry you know i want to know about everything that's going wrong in every department because very often we can come up with a solution together but also it just means that no one's going home at night with that weight on their shoulders that they feel that this is and my favorite expression which i'm probably not allowed to say but if you've feel... dropped uh am i allowed to say bollock I've oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, you, yeah. if you've dropped a bollock i'm always advocating to come and tell me like be proud of it because i would rather people come and say I have made a massive mistake, then try and cover it up or lie their way out of the situation. And, and the fact that it's a team effort means that if someone has dropped a bollock, then it's on all of us. It's not just, it's not just on you. And I found that team spirit is really, really difficult to get back once you've lost. So it's something that we try and work on all the time. And part of that is we have put all the salespeople now on one floor. They used to be split over two floors. You'd get that strange kind of upstairs, downstairs thing going on. <laughs> like the upstairs people are better than the downstairs people or the outside people are better than the inside people. It, that's all weird. I hate all that stuff. So it's like, we're all one people. There is no upstairs, downstairs, inside, outside. So, um, and pre-COVID, 
we would organize four events a year so bowling maybe go to the dogs obviously the big Christmas do when we'd go out we'd go go-karting play pigeon shooting you know anything that the staff put forward as something they like to do um we found that a lot of them tended to be boy activities or traditionally boy activities so at one stage in a year where I think we'd had go-karting and clay pigeon shooting <laughs> and um oh and um what's those airsoft when you shoot guns at each other in the forest yeah. I then did say well I think it's time we had a spa day to which I got a lot of groans I have to tell you and not one single boy came along but the girls all went and we had a lovely time <laughs> wow they missed a trick there they should have gone they did miss a trick although they saved me some pennies so I was I quite know. happy um but we and obviously COVID is a real pain in the bum for that because it's really taken away that ability to get together we had a huge like family fun day planned because I noticed that partners were feeling a little bit left out of this that they say oh you're going for another night out with work um and I thought okay well that's not a good vibe either we need to make this more more inclusive so yeah we had a family fun day um planned we had a little gin caravan which is going to be my favorite thing ever we had inflatables we were going to do welly wanging. It was going to be like a <laughs> going to be welly, like a village welly wanging. Welly wanging. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be like a village fete, but you know, and there was going to be a hog roast. One of our chaps that drives, he also has a small holding. He has a farm, so we had a hog nice. roast booked. And um, yeah, unfortunately, COVID put pay to that. But I'm hoping that that next summer maybe we'll be in a position to do that. And it's already now. I'm thinking about okay so what can we do in terms of Christmas and I'm thinking about a party at home kit so that I'm already getting suppliers to pitch in so that I can start to put together a little party at home kit for everybody on their last day of work before the Christmas break to go home with because it's such a shame that we can't do something together but I want everyone still to feel that we've all had the same that we've all been you know recognized in the same way I guess yeah I love that and this year's been really tough on people hasn't it and Very I think, tough. well, we don't even know where it's going yet either, do we? So we just got to no. keep keep adapting, right? Keep adapting. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that team spirit. Do you know what? I'll be honest. I'm going to close flagship and come work for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds brilliant. We're down straight. We're awesome. We Sounds awesome. brilliant. I'm just stealing all your ideas for when I'm big enough <laughs> to have enough people to, to do this cool stuff, right? So, you know, we're I've got... There's like five of us and I do things like hampers when they get to like three months, I'll get them like a hamper to say like, thanks to, and staying with us and not leaving. <laughs> Cause it's such a big commitment, isn't it? You take someone on and you commit to train them. And um, I think you don't really realize that when you're in a big organization or I never really had that really saw the impact of the time and the effort that you to get someone operating. Well, you need to really support them, really, really yeah, support absolutely. them. And that there's an impact to the business, real impact particularly when you're small like we are um and um it feels really personal so when i i feel like and i think that's probably a change and i think it shows in your leadership style as well actually if you don't mind me saying and that is that we're here to serve them they they're doing the business and we're here to serve them and make it as you know make their lives as easy as it can be by taking away their challenges like you say bring me the drop bollocks and I'll see if I can fix them for you, <laughs> yeah, you know? absolutely and also at the end of every meeting and sometimes at the beginning and the end, and the end I say what do you need mm. and that's a, a really big thing to me and I want people to be able to tell me what do they need in terms of training in terms of some time off in terms of breathing space in terms of more responsibility less responsibility you know, because you can have brilliant members of staff that through no fault of their own go through maybe tough patches at home. And just mm -hmm. during that time, they will say to you, I, I need to have less on my plate right now. Yeah. And that's good. That's fine. Because what I don't want is people to burn out mm. or to, you know, go off poorly. What I want is people to say, actually, right now, I need a little bit less to do. Mm. And then as long as they come back, as long as in that, you know, in a timely fashion, they come back and go, yeah, I've sorted that out. <laughs> Yeah. Pile it on me again, then we're all good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You've got, got to be able to pile it back up, of course, right? But the sixth area, the half dozen thing is around self-care. So, um, and, and oh, I, I've I, led I him beautifully. It did. Yeah, literally, you blended it beautifully. It's amazing. <laughs> 
So tell me a bit more about self-care and why it's important. So self-care is important for me, first of all, because um, and I noticed this when I became a mum, that you can give and give and give. But if you're empty, there, there's nothing to there's nothing left to give. And so, you know, although my son totally disapproves of spa days, I feel that they're essential because like I try to explain to him, it makes me a much better mum if I'm able to go and do something for myself. And the same in, in the business, 100 percent. You can only be at your best and give your best if you feel at your best. And that's both true for me and for everyone that works for me. So we invested quite heavily last year and I'm pleased we did now knowing what's come in 2020 in um, mental health first aid. And we trained up um, a lot of mental health first first aiders, well, four, five within the business. And and we also put people through sort of one day courses themselves as well, just to be more aware. And we also offer anybody who wants to take me up on it, life coaching. So I have this great, great woman, it's called Coaching 42. And she at the moment is doing it over Zoom, thank goodness, uh, because obviously face-to-face isn't available. But she's um, she coaches three of my people at the moment. But again, it kind of changes as to who needs it in their life. And she specializes in anxiety, which again, <laughs> couldn't be more perfect at the moment <laughs> on the Corona roller coaster. Um, so she's, she's really great. And although I don't get to hear those conversations, obviously that she has with members of staff, they're, they're completely confidential. And she says to me, you know, this might lead to them going off and doing something else. I'm like, well, then no, stop it. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) What she helps them do is find out, you know, what's holding them back. What's, what's slowing them down. What's stopping them reaching their, their full potential. And I think that, you have to accept as a boss that if someone's full potential is not within your industry or even within your company, that's fine because what's right for them is also right for you. Um, I'd rather part with somebody on really good terms than them sort of stay on for two, three, four years when it wasn't something that they wanted to do. Mm. Um, But it also means that people have the confidence to go for that promotion, to ask me if they want to transfer into another job role or another department. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's really important and that awareness as well. Um, one of our mental health first aid trainers is um, is in the cafe actually that you mentioned, Rosie Lee. Um, every time I go to walk in there, or it seems like every time to get a drink, and I can see a member of staff engaged in what seems quite a private and personal conversation. I think, oh, just I'll back out. I'll let them carry on because that feels like that's a mental health first aid moment. I'm just going to back out. And um, I said to Maggie the other day, I said, we're going to have to rename this the Cafe of Tears because it seems that people just come in here to have a little bit of a good cry and then go again. (laughs) So, but again, that's really important. And rather than having to seek help from elsewhere, people are able to come and talk to a teammate, to a colleague, who they trust enough and feel able to stand and and have a really good chat about. And, you know, in our industry where we have a lot of guys that think that they have to be tough, for that guy to be able to go in and grab a coffee and open up about something that's really worrying him to, you know, the the lady making him the coffee, that I think that's incredible. You can't underestimate how important it is. Construction, we have terrible stats on male depression and male suicide. And I would much rather have to back out of the cafe because a lorry driver or a chap from the yard is is offloading, is having that chat with Maggie than I would him phone me up and say, you know, I won't be coming in next week because I'm stressed or, or, you know, go down a a path towards depression. So for me, it's it's a really special thing that we have, a really positive thing that we have in the business. No, amazing. And the stats are two a day two men in the UK alone in the construction sector commit suicide. And that's just in the construction sector? Just in the construction sector, yeah. That's the that's the stats. It's incredible. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, wow, powerful, isn't it? Like, And I think uh, congratulations, really, for the proactivity that you've shown in investing in your people and, and getting that mental health training in place as well. I think um, it's, it's huge, D hugely important now more than ever like you say that you're going to be getting a real return on that right now as well because yeah it's a real challenge it's 
for for us at flagship it's it's really spiked you know we're, we're seeing a lot of people wanting wanting training and wanting support and awareness and things like that and um it's good it's good because and also with zoom you get that flexibility so you can do exactly what people want so rather than you know this like old and it's a bit like you were saying about the adaptability because people can't settle down zoom we've been doing driver cpc training on zoom <laughs> for seven hours and i'm i've, I've been a bit naughty because I, I do cpc training but I've been I've been getting my guys to do it because I can't think of anything I'd less like to do <laughs> than seven hours on Zoom doing CPC training. But with with the mental health, it's it's way more flexible. So I've been able to like like bespoke stuff, you know, and like have short sharp sessions which Absolutely. are like really yeah. powerful and stuff because people people get a bit fatigued after a while, you know. So but yeah, massively important. Self-care. And the way training used to happen, I think that's so true. The way that training happened kind of pre-COVID. And I think this is one of the good things about COVID is that somebody would come in and you'd bought them for a day, if you like. Yeah. You bought that trainer's time for the day. And they came in and you either had to force like six members of staff to sit in there all day or have this kind of constant rotation, which must have been pretty tough on the trainer as well, of like an hour block with each person. You know, we've just done some training recently that she delivered five 20 minute blocks, but one a day. And for us, that's great. You'd never expect her to have driven into the business for 20 minutes every day. But because it's over Zoom, it meant that at four o'clock each day, she 20 minutes. Everyone's engaged because they know it's only 20 minutes. Um, It stays fresh. And actually, those bits of knowledge stick and stay much more than they would have done if she'd come and delivered that in one sort of hour and a half slot yeah, definitely. so I can't see us going back on that now I mm. think that that really works yeah no fantastic that's absolutely fantastic so thank you so much Natasha uh how okay. do people if they want to sort of join like link up with you on LinkedIn or maybe even come and apply for a job or, or whatever it may be because it sounds like an amazing place to come and work uh, how do people find you what's the best way of getting in touch so yeah, it's Natasha Rose on LinkedIn, part of the Rose Group and Andrew's Building Supplies. Um, we are we're pretty good on our social media, so you can slip into our DMs on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter. And uh, and we're at Fengate in Peterborough, so just pick up the phone anytime, anytime. We also get people just come straight in off off the street and pop a CV on the on the desk, and we always phone them back and, and get in contact with them. So. Yeah, or come and have a drink in Rosie Lee. That's and hopefully not go. find someone crying in there when you come in. Just come yeah. and have a nice cup of coffee. <laughs> but if you are feeling down, Maggie is the then, one to speak Then come to. and cry. That's fine too. That's fine too. Sharing the love. Just share the yeah, love. Yeah, particularly, particularly if you're one of those men in the construction sector, we're talking to Please. you. Please, yeah. yeah. We'd much rather you come in, have a cup of coffee and have a chat, right? So, Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope everyone who's listening has enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, it's been incredible having you join us. And uh, I love I love your philosophy and outlook on business as well, Natasha. So thank you so much. Um, I hope those have enjoyed it. Do subscribe, share, leave us a review. Um, and thank you for joining us. And we'll catch you again next week. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.